Welcome to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with. What we hear and listen to throughout our day can shape how we feel. If we feed and nourish our soul with wholesome conversations from everyday people filled with positive stories, we may feel less alone and even inspired. We're all working through our own stuff and sometimes you need to hear that you are doing amazing, which you are. Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with is listening to others talk about how they have journeyed life so far, how they keep their well-being in check and how they keep their mindset positive. This is not always possible, but sometimes they share some really good tips on how they improve their well-being just for those days when they're not feeling quite the ticket. Welcome to this Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with community. I really just wanted to build something special that people can feel part of, feel seen and feel valued. Some of the people we speak to have really inspirational stories and hopefully it can resonate with you, make you stop, reflect and also just pick up some top tips along the way. So thank you again for being here and thanks for sharing your time with us. Here's the show. everyone just jumping in to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this series of well-being with money in conversation with and that's the amazing IA hair and beauty now I don't know about you but as someone who has a very busy life with lots going on an hour hair or beauty appointment can feel like a real treat an absolute essential non-negotiable bit of self-care Sometimes I know that all I need is a fresh French manicure to make me feel a bit brighter. I don't think we should underestimate these little acts of kindness and the impact that they have in our busy lives. So we have a special treat for you, a 15% one-time code across all the IA hair and beauty range. So if that's a gel polish, or beautiful nail art and you just need to jump over to Instagram to see the amazing nail art that Isabel does or a fresh new trim or colour then IA Hair and Beauty is the best. Go to IA Hair and Beauty on Instagram or Facebook and DM Isabel quoting the podcast for your 15% off treat. Enjoy! Hello, welcome back to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with, you're very welcome here with us today. So today is our very, very special bonus episode. See, see what I give you for free each week. Um, it's our special bonus episode. And for me, it's it's going to be, be really special because we're not just kind of interviewing any old person. We're interviewing my very, very dear friend, Nicola Karanaratni Diver, who has very kindly given up her time today to chat to us. And it's just going to be a couple couple of Egypts having a chat. Isn't yeah, it? That's what we do. That's how we roll. <laughs> that is how we roll. Um, so thank you very much for coming. So I always start with, um, what does well-being mean to you? No, I don't. What I start with is, do you want to just tell everybody who you are, what it is you do, that kind of thing? So I'm Nicola, Nicola Camera Adiver, but as you say, known as Nick KD. Uh, my, I live here in Fastlane in St. Helens with my husband, Jared, and our six-year-old daughter, Grace known collectively as the KDs. The KDs. Uh, collectively and affectionately. Very uh, affectionately. Known as the KDs. Uh, Jared and I have been married for almost 10 years now, but have been together for many, many more than that. We've been together since we were teenagers mm -hmm. and, and came here on, on the boat. Uh, not the proverbial boat, the actual boat <laughs> to England to build a new life. Uh, and yeah. we've been here for about 18 years. So I've been here uh, almost as long as I was ever in Ireland because I left when I was oh 18 uh, so by by September this year I'll have been here longer yeah. than I was ever in Ireland that's so, amazing yeah which and, is a bit weird and does it feel like home very much so very yeah. much so when, when I go back to Ireland now although it's it sort of my ancestral home, home in that sense when I go there it feels different now, mm -hmm. uh, but but when I'm here, I, I feel like this is where 
my home is and I think especially after we had breaks that that sort of cemented our roots here yeah. so it, it's there's no going back then um, good like she is the most St Helens person in the world ever she is and, yeah I so. can verify that <laughs> I will love her um so before I ask you um about what does well-being mean to you I just want to um just check in with the people listening and watching we are this is why i wanted it to be the bonus episode because it's going to be a very special episode we are going to discuss some quite heavy topics but really important and special topics uh, as far as we're concerned um and they'll include grief um and that's child bereavement and pet grief um we are also probably going to touch upon body image relationships with food um, we may even um, talk about things to do with um, race and ethnicity. So for us, we just wanted to shout that out so that if you're feeling like any of those are going to trigger anything for you, perhaps um, maybe just leave it until a day where you feel a bit stronger. But it's really important to have these conversations and it's important to talk about things that help other people. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to record us talking about these things, which we talk about quite often. They're not out of the ordinary. Oh, no, they're, not, us. they're not new topics for no. us. We like to go heavy, we like to go deep. Like. <laughs> we do, we do, we do. And uh, and we'll get into some of that uh, in a bit and how much we, we celebrate that as well, actually. Um, so yeah, let's start with uh, what does wellbeing mean to you? I, I've been thinking about it for days because uh, obviously I know it's the one question that you're going to ask and it's I, I was trying to find the one thing but I think it, for me it's many things uh, it, it the, the short answer is that I keep a gratitude journal so well-being for me means that I get into bed every night and I've got something to put in that journal that I've got something that happened that day that mm. I'm grateful for and that can be something really big, like, you know, a big life decision or something like significant has happened within our home. Or it can be that I had a really nice cup of coffee in the morning watching the birds. It, it can be mm. something like really, really big or really, really small. But as long as I've got something to put in that gratitude journal, I feel like that means I'm doing well. Yeah. That, that I'm doing okay. Yeah. I, and then my other big one is reading. That if I, I know that when my mental health is not great, I find it very hard to read. So when I, I'm reading and I'm getting loads of pleasure out of loads of different books, then I know that I'm doing okay. Mm. And then I know that it's because all the other things that I'm doing in the background are making me be okay to be able to read. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And for those people who haven't had the pleasure of going to your house, Nick has the best little reading corner. He's <laughs> had this really cute chair and little bookshelves on the back and yeah, and it's a really and it's a really important place for you guys, isn't it? It is because it's it's my corner of our home. And when I'm in that corner, I can sort of I, it's sort of under the stairs, so a, a bit like Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> And it, you know, it's it, we we joke about it in our house yeah. because we Grace does love Harry Potter. Mm. But I, when I'm in that corner, I can see everyone else in the house. I can see what they're doing, mm. and I can see like it, Jared it does uh, like adult coloring in. He loves doing yeah. it, and that's his thing that, that helps his mental health. So when I'm sat in my corner, I can see him doing his coloring in. Yeah, I can see Grace watching the television. I can see sort of the dog and the cats like mooching about the place. Yeah. And then, but I'm safe in that corner, yeah. you know, nothing nothing can come up behind me because I know that there's nothing there yeah. and I can see anything that's coming towards me. Yeah. I, and it just, when I can get the cat off the chair, it's yeah. nice to be able to sit in there and have some time. <laughs> when you can get the cat. And far be it from me to pass up an opportunity to put a musical theatre reference in, so do excuse me. But when you said, um, I've got my own little corner, loads of people in the musical theatre industry who are listening to this will be now singing in my own little <laughs> corner, in my own little room, which uh, is from Cinderella. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, yeah, um, I, lo I love that about you. So, for me, one of the most amazing things about being your friend is knowing your kind of transformational journey and how far you've come in terms of um, reprioritising what, what you what you do every day that that serves you well and you know there's so little around in your life that um can affect you anymore because you 
kind of architective, no, that's not the right word, but you're kind of a real architect yeah, of what you, you do in your family. Yeah, at, you know at some mean? point, I sort of, it, well, I, the, the point, I, I, and you know, this is where, where the, the trigger warning comes in. When my son died, my son Malcolm died when he was mm -hmm. three days old, mm -hmm. and that was the catalyst for so many changes yeah. that came after that. But one of the things that came after his death was that I became non-negotiable about yes. people taking the piss. I'm not having it. I'm not here for it. I don't do it to other people. I won't tolerate other people doing it to me. And I became very firm in that. When mm. I think for the years and years before that, that I just took stuff, just took it on the chin, took it on the nose, mm -hmm. just kept my head down, tried not to upset anyone, bit my tongue, swallowed it down. And then that happens but the world ended for us yeah. and then we had to rebuild yeah. and I thought if I'm going to rebuild a life I'm going to rebuild a better life but then and all those people that had been sort of like circling mm -hmm. I, I just said no I, I just I, and there's a power of being able to just say yeah. no I, and it's you know that's a very oversimplified way of putting it because mm. it's it's really really hard and we had like family relationships that were not helpful to either my husband or I and mm. we reached a point where we said to certain people we need to implement some boundaries uh, so these are the boundaries that we want like don't phone at this time don't do this don't do that mm. and those people said no we don't want to respect those boundaries and we said that okay well we're going to end contact mm. uh, and we'll reassess in six months and see how we feel we went back six months later and said actually we feel like life has been quite peaceful and drama free so we're going to maintain the relationship as it is now with, mm. with no contact and it's it's a little bit easier for us because we're in a different country yeah. to a, a lot of our family and the people that we've put those boundaries in mm. but it, it it's hard but it's worth doing because it you've got to prioritize yourself yeah. first yeah. and you're not you're not there to be a, a doormat for other people you're not there to be an emotional punching bag other people mm. and when you spend a life where people tell you all the things that you are and all the things that you can't do it, you deserve better than that so I, we it, I, I've always said and I know I've said it to you before the day that Malcolm died mm. I died I, I, I died whoever mm. I was then she died and then I was reborn after that and mm. I was reborn as someone who is very clear about what I will and will not tolerate. Yeah. And I, I just, I have no tolerance policy yeah. now. Yeah. Shite. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the massive things that I absolutely love about you. I learned from you so much because I think my boundaries have got better as I've got older, but they're still, they still can be a bit dodgy and I can still be so informed by what other people want to do and what other people want to say and, and how other people want to shape my life. And so we'll 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 co probably come back to that. But I'd love to just obviously I don't I don't want any of that moment to, to pass yeah. without really talking about about Malcolm. We, as a kind of friendship group here, have celebrated his life every year with a, a little kind of buffet yeah. as we call it. <laughs> Eat all you can, uh, which is what happens when we're around with the cake to to make sure that Malcolm's memory is never forgotten. So, um, you know, for you to be able to build back from that is is incredible to, if, if you feel like you can and thank you for, for wanting to share this like you just to, to make everyone aware you really want to share this don't you for other people so I, as well um, so i for after malcolm had died yeah. i was very lucky and i got to go to the alder center and i had specific child bereavement counseling yeah. for about i think maybe about nine months mm -hmm. after he died i didn't have to wait very long to access that service I, I and i am very fortunate that i got in the door when i did and they took me through the the worst of it and the darkest of it and one of the things that happened when i went is i could not say his name i could not say his name it could not and i didn't know how to speak to people about how my baby had died or that my baby had died I, mm -hmm. and when I felt like when I met new people that I that, that I had to tell them because yeah. I I needed them to know why I was the way I was where yeah. sometimes I would just bust out crying and sometimes I would say that I was going to be somewhere and then I could face it and I needed people to understand why and I now know that actually I, do, I don't need other people to understand why and sometimes I 
it, I know people for a while before I tell them because actually to know Malcolm is privileged information yeah, to me is. now. Whereas at the time I just said it to anybody and yeah. I would just I would tell people in the shop, like, like you know, because I yeah, just yeah, yeah. I and it, it was just there like, at the tip of my tongue all the time, but mm. I was sort of drowning in the grief of it at the same time. So to be able to say his name and to be able to talk about him is to honor him and to and you know he was alive for three days he had a life you know and that's what's sort of taboo about the whole thing is that people don't talk about it and then I remember reading a book by a guy called Elle Wright called Ask Me His Name and it's about the birth and the death of her son Teddy Mm -hmm. and it was very like the timeline was very similar the circumstances were very similar and you know she talks a lot in that about if someone's baby has died like you talking about babies or asking about them is not going to upset them they already think about that baby every single minute of every single day and and that's I I think about it all the time Mm -hmm. so to me then like when we have that birthday party for the year that's one of our it's one of our non-negotiables as a family and it's one of our most sacred traditions Mm -hmm. because it helps us that he he was here Mm -hmm. and He's not here now, but his sister and his sister's friends get to eat birthday cake. And that's what you should do when it's somebody's birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, it's more harmful when people don't acknowledge it. Yeah. And as so it was 2014, so he would have been eight on his last birthday. So as time has gone on, obviously people people forget or people, yeah. it, the, the impact of it, obviously such an always devastating for us but yeah. not so much for other people so yeah like, I, I really noticed this time around that there was people who who didn't message me when it was his birthday or his anniversary mm-hmm. to just to say like you, you know how are you doing and it's hard to not get sort of bogged down and to start listing all the people who never asked you if you were okay mm-hmm. but I try to not focus on that and instead I think well think about all the people who did yeah and the people who asked me who messaged me on the day and said are you okay the people mm. who I, you know had birthday cake the people who, who sort of like sent me little hearts and stuff those are the people and they do it every year yeah and they'll continue to do it every year so those are the people that matter yeah. to, to me and to us as a family those are the mm. people that help us to keep his memory alive yeah and the other people I, I'm not <laughs> saying like you know to help them but you know there's there's an impact to behaviours so when yeah. you don't when you forget those sorts of anniversaries to, for people like it, it does have an impact on the person yeah. who, who's grieving because I at the time thought well like he is dead and then I will have this counselling and then I'll be okay and then mm. it'll be fine and it turns out that that's not what happens yeah. so the, the grief is not linear at all and, mm-hmm. I, and that was a hard lesson to learn because I had never really I, like my mother's mother had died when my mother was a teenager I, I so I didn't have any grandparents growing up mm-hmm. I so I've never really had an experience of bereavement mm-hmm. and it, it's it's brutal anyway when you lose yeah, someone like you lost but then when, when you've lost a baby people they don't know what to say and they mm-hmm. don't know what to do and and, uh, but we didn't either yeah (laughs) of course we were schoolless and in the middle of all that then we had these sort of like family relationships that weren't fantastic and were making things much more difficult Mm -hmm. so that was the point where we started to sort of say we we need a bit of time and space to deal with this and uh, my husband in particular he, he had to just sort of step away and he went back to work quite quickly went back to work a week later Mm. because he at the time not that he doesn't know but at the time he worked in a really really supportive a lovely lovely place mm. and, and they said you take as much time as you need but after a week he went back and I I've been off on maternity leave um, but I've been signed off so I when he, when I was 20 weeks pregnant we had we'd gone for our anomaly scan and there was an anomaly uh, which you just you just like it happens to other people but it doesn't happen to you, to you. And, yeah. but, and even now when someone says that they're pregnant and they sort of like talk about the 20 week scan as their gender scan like there's a part of me inside that, that thinks it's, it's not that's not what it's for yeah because it was never that for us then it was it so we had I was signed off like 
straight away. I, so I ended up starting my maternity leave much earlier than planned. And then I took my full maternity leave, but then in the middle of all that, there was redundancies and I just, I didn't have any to fight for my job. Yeah. I could not go back to, I couldn't just walk back into a life that I'd lived before because yeah. I was so different. So changed. But I didn't know who I was or mm. what I was going to do. So I took redundancy and left. So I ended up not going back to work for about, I think, over three years mm -hmm. then in the meantime I went on to have breaks but it was it was sort of disappointing in a way to to figure out that you can't just I, like I just decided well yeah. wait they said because I'd had a c-section they said I had to wait six months before I could start trying and I thought well I'll like I'll be pregnant again quite quickly so I have until I'm pregnant again to deal with this <laughs> but it backfired on me big time, by the way. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I, had a, I, I did have that initial counselling, which was great. Yeah. But then it, it all sort of like came, then by the time I was pregnant with breaks, mm. I was, I kept thinking, I am handling this remarkably well. I, I, I am doing really, really well. Not so much. No. Not so much. I, like I just said to you before, yeah. it, like a duck. Like yeah. on, on a pond, and I was manic, absolutely manic. So then, luckily, I had a really, really good GP who yeah. recognised that, and he said, "Let's have some support." Now he offered me antidepressants and mm -hmm. anti-anxiety medication, which I refused to take because I was worried about the harm yeah. to Grace. So yeah. I, I ended up, I had an appointment with him every week. He said, "Once see you every single week." And then, he That's amazing. Yeah, and then he organised counselling for me within my GP surgery. Mm. And then he managed to get me on a CBT course as well. Mm. So I, I was doing all three of those. So basically, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I had contact with somebody. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and that helped. It, it went a long way. Mm. But I then, like, sort of had Grace and was in this, like, wonderful little bubble with her. Mm. And I, in all honesty, now when I, like, sort of reflect back on the whole journey, I only really started to deal with my grief of losing Malcolm when Grace went to school. Yes. Uh, that was when it like hit big style mm. because I think in between, like there, there was such a short period of time from when yeah. he died to when I was pregnant with her. And then I was sort of so distracted in the pregnancy by, mm. by worry, by anxiety. And I like at the height of it, like because he was cremated and took his ashes home. So it, I, at the worst of it, I had cleared a space beside his ashes for the ashes of the other baby because I was just almost accepting wow. of the fact that I was never going to take a baby home. Oh and like in like we live in a two bedroom house, so yeah. like the, the bedroom, the other bedroom had been like decorated as nursery, and we were living with that this whole time. And it, it like when we talk about body image, like you're it's one thing to face your postpartum body postpartum body is hard it's anyway but but it's hard but, when you, yeah but the price you pay for it when you look at yourself yeah and you don't recognize yourself and then you look at the baby next to you yeah but when you look and there's no baby there you just think oh, oh. and i really in that and i thought i was doing the right thing i thought i'm just getting myself healthy again to have another pregnancy mm. i punished my body for, I, and I'd had a C-section, I'd had a difficult pregnancy, yeah. and then I'd had a C-section. And then within about six or eight weeks, I, I was doing double aerobics classes. I was in so much pain, so much physical pain, and so much emotional pain, but I just couldn't, it was too yeah. much. It, it was far too much. So I, I just, when I think about it, now, it was awful, it was awful. I, sh I should have just... I, I should have stopped but yeah. then you just you don't you like. don't but by the time Grace went to school I thought oh something is not right mm -hmm. uh, I thought I, I need to deal with this break mm -hmm. style now and that was when the, the real the work began yeah. uh, and it's it's hard work and it's tough work yeah but now that I've done it I accept the fact that I'm going to have to always do it yes and that was the thing that I thought like someone dies and then you cry yeah. and it's really sad mm -hmm. and then that's it yeah but actually that's not no, it it's, not. <laughs> it's because it's i sometimes liken my grief to a backpack so i put it on every day like mm -hmm. I, and some days it's quite light 
and other days it is very very heavy mm. and the days so like when it's his birthday I, I don't actually feel extra especially sad that day no I, probably because I have quite a lot of distraction and, and nice friends <laughs> you do have a party <laughs> and even when it's his anniversary yeah like I like I I accept it's a moment yeah. That, yeah. that happens yeah. but it but it isn't anything I I can imagine it isn't anything heavier than what you live with every yeah. day no matter I, and what it's it's a truth that I walk in yeah. every day like so so that's uh, like you, you know that mm-hmm. day just comes and goes and Dyer and I always take a few days off work and, yeah. and just sort of like get together and sort of mm-hmm. reconnect and and it's hard to parent a living child mm-hmm. it's harder to parent a dead child it's and to we were always very careful with Grace about the sort of language that we used and how we talked about him and I never wanted her to feel like she was sort of in the shadow of a dead yeah. sibling and she but Grace is an extraordinary child so she, she has is. she has grasped it you know and she yeah. understands so completely like that that he, that he is a member of our family mm. but he is just not there with us yeah. every day I, so her the, the way that she is about it it makes it much much easier for mm. me sometimes yeah but then there's things so when we talk about boundaries mm. there's things like in September when the kids go back to school yeah. and everybody puts their pictures on Facebook of the kids in, in their school uniforms. It's amazing. It's it, it's so yeah. amazing. But it hurts of me. It, does. it hurts me so much. And yeah. I can't bear to look at it. I just mm. can't. So for a long time, I was just like, just still just did it to myself, like punishing myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realised that I had a choice. I actually yeah. didn't have to do it. So then, without announcement, without any sort of fanfare, yeah. just one September, I just thought, I'm actually just going to take the Facebook app off my phone for a few days to, ju- to, to just while the kids go back to school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One light bulb moment. Yeah, right? yeah. So I, I now know the things that I have to do yeah. to help myself. Yeah. And on the days when I do feel like a bit weepy or, you know, I feel, I, things I allow myself to feel them and if there's days then where I think right I'm supposed to do this and I really don't feel up to it just say look I'm having a bit of a rough day and I don't feel up to it Mm. and if you're doing something with another person and you go to them and say that and you know they are negative about that it's on them not on me you know I so I think for a long time I tried to uh, sort of had a script of all the things that I would say or could say and on the face of it, I was very, very open about what had happened. Mm. But actually, I was just repeating the same three or four things over and over again. And they were very controlled. Yeah. Whereas now I am actually open about it. Yeah. It is messy. And it's heartbreaking. And sometimes it's disgusting. Sometimes it's awful. Sometimes it, it's a black hole. And you think, I'm never going to get out of it. Mm. And then some days, it's okay. Some, some days, it, it's my, I accept it as my truth. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's about managing my own expectations I know now that actually yeah. that, that's okay yeah. uh, so I, I any sort of linear sort of grieving process and you know when they talk about cycles of grief yeah nonsense yeah absolutely because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like and people told me yeah people told me t- time will heal no no it doesn't uh, all that happens is time passes and other people start messaging you when it's his anniversary. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. T- time hasn't healed anything. Yeah. I, it still hurts as much now. And it's sort of every time it would have been his first. So like yeah. time he would have mm-hmm. been going to school. It's and, of them. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's a thing that affects so many women. So it's mm-hmm. like the statistics are one in four women will have a miscarriage, a stillbirth, mm-hmm. or neonatal death when a baby dies within the first 28 days of life. Yeah. Like that's massive. That's massive. Every single person knows four women. So and I found when 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 it happened, when he died, like I had other people telling me things that that, like that they had never shared with with anybody. I remember a a lady to a a lady that I know who lives locally and she's in her eighties and she told me that her first child had been stillborn and then just taken away from her. She never knew if the baby was a boy or a girl, she wasn't allowed to name the baby, nothing. And then they just told her, you'll be okay, you're young, you'll have another baby, and mm. then off you go. And she's carried that. Like, yeah. So, whereas I was sort of like, 
whisked up and taken to the Alder Centre and given all this specific like bereavement yeah. counselling and given so much support. Mm. She was just sort of given a pat on the back and told, like, don't worry, we'll try again. Right. Yeah. I, I, it, there's, like if anybody picks about it in their family history, you, yeah. you'll find yeah. a, a some woman who's, and mm. like, like Jared and I always laugh, you know, on like criminal minds and stuff, but, like, when you, there's a woman who's just like, oh, sorry, she starts killing people. <laughs> always because she lost a baby. Like, <laughs> And, yeah. and there's like like so many like Dolly Parton yeah. songs about like wild women that just like took to the mountains and just howl at the moon because they lost a baby. Like yeah. you know, it becomes a sort of a catch-all yeah. and for you know insanity because that's how, but that is how it feels. Yeah. Like I, and you sort of I I did reach a point where I thought I could just retreat into myself and I could just mm. sort of lounge about all day. And if anybody questions it, I'll just say well, like. Like my baby died, like, yeah. so, so you know, I, like I can do whatever I want. To do that. Yeah. I, so then you have a choice about sort of what you're going to do. But I'm interested to to know. I mean, obviously, everybody watching and listening is now realizing why I wanted you to come on and talk about this because you are, you know, to call you an inspiration is just an absolute understatement. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm like honored to be a friend, so I like get to see the amazingness every day. But honestly, I'm just totally in awe of how you talk about it and how you make like as you say in your words made the choice and I wonder how how you did that you know this is you know I can only imagine it's just one of the worst evils that life can give you and you make a choice that that isn't going to define you you know like how do you even get to the point where you go yeah I could just stay in my pajamas all day and just do nothing but actually I've decided I'm gonna I'm gonna live you know, I'm going to live my life. Like, how does that even so, well, come has, to you? So, it, have you watched This Is Us? Yes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> oh, in, my so, word. So, so in the opening episode, they talk about like, yeah. taking the sourest lemon that life can give you yeah. and then making Make something that, that's yeah. even remotely drinkable. So, you know, Jared and I, have, we have been together a long time and then we had to rediscover who we were as parents, yeah. as bereaved parents, as separate individuals together. And it, it, like part of the healing came when we found other people who had been through something similar. Yes. So my now a, a very, very cherished friend, Kelly, had at the time she had set up a charity called Jensen's Twinkle Stars in memory of her son Jensen who yeah. had been stillborn. She had two other children who she so Jaden was older and then she had Jensen and then she went on to have Jacob but Jaden in particular really struggled and there was no support mm. in the whole of the northwest for him mm. as, as a child who had lost a sibling so she set up a charity and part of what they did it was they had like weekly sessions yeah. like, where you would go and, and you would sort of talk about grief and loss but mm -hmm. through arts and crafts and, yeah. and such different things so then I went, Grace was about six months old. She had no idea what was going on. But I went and I found a tribe of women who had been through something the same as I had. And mm -hmm. on the days where you felt like you could talk about it, they understood. But on the days when you felt like you couldn't, mm -hmm. they also understood. So yeah. that, that was a, a massive healing for us. And mm -hmm. I, as like we would go as a family, but then I had sort of like, developed this friendship with Kelly as well, which, which that would always be my advice yeah. to anyone who goes through it, anything. anything yeah, is find your tribe yeah. because those are the people who've been through it before you are the yeah. people who are going to tell you how you're going to get through tomorrow. Yeah. Because there's days, and I remember it like. In the hours after he had died, it, being in the bathroom in the hospital room with Jared, and just sitting on the, uh, just sitting looking at Jared's watch, just watching the seconds ticking by, and it, he was saying to me, "I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't, I said, we don't have to get through this. We have to get through th this second, and yeah. then the next second, and the next second. And so some days, I count my days in hours, and then sometimes if I have to, I count it in minutes. Mm -hmm. I, I, that, but that's okay yeah you, you, you know you just have to you have to do what feels good for yeah, you yeah. I, and everybody's going to sort of negotiate it like mm. differently but nobody like nobody's an expert on, yeah. on child loss or child bereavement yeah. like but it, other women go through it so you know once you find those women it mm. gives you a better sort of vocabulary to, to be able mm. to talk about it yeah. and 
we ended up, Kelly ended up, she disbanded the charity in the end of, uh, simply because her, her sort of own sort of like dreams for herself grew and her mm-hmm. family grew, but like I remain really, really good friends yeah. with her. But there's, people don't talk about it. Yeah. And there's, when it happened, there were so many people that said, in the most well-meaning way, the people said, oh, well, you know, because he, he would have been poorly, so like at least he isn't suffering. Like, well, mm. I, I'd still rather see him alive. Thanks very much. And <laughs> people told us, like, you're young, you'll have more joy. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, mm, you can yeah. call them well meaning. Yeah. But if it isn't, it isn't. And well, then I, yeah, but I not, thought, by the time I had had Grace, I thought, well, people are like, oh, they, they will have more joy. So then I had Grace, and I was like, so. Point is the noise, and to this going to be like expelled, and it didn't because I had to accept the fact then that there is a hole, there is a gap, and that yeah. hole is distinctly a Malcolm shaped hole, yeah. So, no graces can fill it, no, because it's not, it's nothing to do with grace, yes. So, it, I think it, the acceptance of, yes. of this is a thing that's happened, and I, I like remember reading somewhere about women sort of. So I would find then that women who'd had a miscarriage would say, well, like, it's nothing like what you've been through. But that's like saying, like, if someone drowned in two inches of water or two feet of water, like, mm-hmm. they're both still as drowned as <laughs> each other. Like, it's, it's all, yeah. it's all, and they're, they're very distinct, different losses. But, like, it's all sort of in the one pot. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, like, if you want to be a mother and you, you, been pregnant and then you don't have a baby at the end of it then like you know I, I like I stand in allegiance with, with every other woman who's been in that position whether they lost their baby when they were 12 weeks pregnant or yeah. when their baby grew up and was 30 and then was killed like you, you know yeah. it, it's it, it, like it, nobody yeah. knows how, how to navigate it yeah everybody's only sort of trying to like yeah. fumble their way through but if you can sort of like claw onto other people yeah sort of drag you through yeah. it it makes it so much easier and that's why community is so important and and you know I, I I call this a community quite often you know what I'm trying to build here because you you know there will be people listening who absolutely identify and resonate with what you're saying and it's just helpful to hear you know especially because some people could be in a particularly dark place right now to hear that people can get through yeah. this and it's not get through and it doesn't exist it exists it's with you like you say it's your backpack that you wear every day um thank you so much for sharing all of that because you know it, it's amazing that you can you feel that you can share that on this space and, and we we as a, as a as a community as i say really appreciate it one of the things that i'd love to ask you as well is 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 after malcolm died one of the things that 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 you um talk about is is how you got your gorgeous dog speedy um speedy who uh lives on again in legend with us um and how how that really kind of played out because that is also something that i think people don't talk about enough which is the 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 other parts of, of grief you know people feel it in different ways but pet grief i think is something that isn't talked about as well as, as as a lot of things and some people can see that as a real hierarchy you know there's humans and there's pets and but pets are very much part of people's family and if anybody's been to this house <laughs> like I have there are pets that you know they just get living status <laughs> like humans so um just remember speedy to us and what he meant to you so when so after Malcolm had died I, obviously I, I, I was on maternity leave I, I was just like my mum my had been here and then she had sort of had to go back to her own life and Jared got back to work and then I was a bit like what am I doing with myself now yeah. I, and I, I just thought that this like is grim like it's really really like and you know all my friends like I was 27 so like all mm. my friends were like they were all at work all day but I was all day just sort of like back about the house in my own life, trying not to drive myself to And then my, 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 one of my very best friends, Danielle, my soul sister, she had said to me one day, she was going to the Merseyside Dogs Home to look at a German Shepherd that she'd seen online. So she's like, come with me, like just, you know, get you out of the house. Dangerous words. Yeah. And, I, and I said, all right, okay, so I thought I'll just go for the drive. And 
Danielle was one of those friends in all of this. So, like, she came to the hospital in the hours after Malcolm had died to be with me, and she was always just with me. She never, I, it, so when pe people say things like, "Oh, at least," or uh, she never did that. She she just said, "What what do you need?" And if mm -hmm. I said, "And I need you to be quiet," she would be quiet. If I said, "I need you to hold me," she'd hold me. She just. She always asked what I needed, and then she always gave me just that. Mm. So she said, come on, let's go for a little drive. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So we, we went to Mary's side dogs when we were like up and down. And there was a, like a really sort of like bullshit chihuahua called Senior Fajita uh, <laughs> in, in, this, uh, in this cage. And then behind, so they must, uh, the way they name the dogs, they must sort of like pick a theme. And go yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was Senior Fajita. And, there was another dog in behind him, so he was like strutting up and down the cage, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, look at that chihuahua!" And then in the back, on a little raised bed, uh, sat in a puddle of his own piss, uh, <laughs> trembling. But it was a little, a, a little uh, Yorkshire terrier. I'll just be taking him home. Then. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, so we did. So they, they said, okay, like you can't just take him home right now. We've got to do some checks and stuff. Uh, uh, so I said to Danielle, will you, will you bring me back tomorrow? Like, so, so I can get And she said, yeah, of course I will. So she left empty handed uh, and I left with the paperwork for Speedy G. Uh, so then uh, by the time we took him home, mm. that was the, that, that was a game changer, really. Yeah. Because then I had a reason. And a necessity to yeah, go out. To out so I started to go out, and, and although like I lived in my community for a long time, I'd been like I worked in Liverpool city centre, and I worked full time. So I like sort of in and out on the train, and I didn't really sort of spend a lot of time in my actual local community. So then, like all of a sudden, you're out on the park, and you know when you've got a dog, then you know all the other dog mm -hmm. walkers, and then you start to make friends with people and then like like and there was a, a number of sort of people who got puppies at about the same time uh so they sort of although the speedy was a bit older he was a puppy to us because he was new to us yeah. and, and he, was, he was so anxious and yeah. it the, they were never quite sure what had happened to him they didn't think that he'd been abused more that he'd been like sort of neglected or abandoned so we had a lot of work to do with him uh and then it, he ended up um at, at some point in his life he'd had kennel cough that hadn't been treated so he had really bad scarring on his lungs he had the dog equivalent of COPD mm. uh, so he had he was then medically exercise intolerant <laughs> so he had an inhaler he mm -hmm. used to have one stay and then I used to push him in a puppy stroller and please, he, please, yeah. please you have to tell us the story of the woman you saw him in the puppy stroller, what she said. That's one of my favourite Nick Lady stories so, of all time. Which one is it? The one who said she'd never seen a dog in. Oh, it, she was like outside Taylor Park Porter. Oh, oh, I've never seen anything like, oh my God, in all my years, I've never seen anything like this. Just always on guard, and then because I breastfed her, but she was mm -hmm. very much a night feeder, 
so my very rude husband would be asleep uh, all night. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, I used to just put one hand out, and Sweetie would just be there beside yeah. me. I used my constant companion, constant companion. He was never not by my side. I, it meant that especially when I was Grace got older, he was so extraordinarily patient with him. I, I mean, yeah. we, we sort of like Jared last but now he's like, oh, Saint Speedy G. But, but he was, <laughs> he, he was, he was yeah. such a good boy. Yeah. He was the very best boy. And I say past tense because yeah. Speedy has also died. Yeah. So Speedy was attacked and killed uh, in a totally unprovoked attack mm. by a, a German shepherd mm. uh, that lives on our road. Mm-hmm. And it, it was horrific, yeah. absolutely horrific. Um, it, and it, it sort of bubbled everything back up for us yeah. in, in a lot of ways because... Because of the major yeah. reason that... The only reason we had Speedy was yeah. because Malcolm had died. Yeah. So it, it, then the it whole was things to yeah, intertwined. It was almost like losing Malcolm all over again yeah. because we had lost Speedy. Yeah. And, and then the sort of and that was the difference when, when Malcolm had died, it was nobody's fault. No. It was nobody's fault. You yeah. know, he had a heart condition. It was a one in ten thousand chance that any baby's gonna be born with this heart condition. I know someone who was born with the exact same heart condition mm-hmm. who is now a gorgeous young personal trainer yeah in her 20s like you know it 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 was just it was bad luck it was really really bad luck but what happened to speedy was aggressive and Mm -hmm. violent and unnecessary and that that was the thing that so then i had an anger that i had never i'd never experienced anger like that before in my life and it was both a driving force because there was things then that needed to be done after Speedy had died because mm-hmm. the, the person responsible needs to be held responsible yeah and then you know there was in it we ended up accruing a vet bill of ten thousand pounds and that needed to be dealt with so the anger was a bit of a driving force which yeah. was useful but then when all of that was done I was still just left with this and it it, it felt like I've never had heartburn yeah. but it felt like what I imagine heartburn must feel like mm-hmm. but all the time yeah and it then the the sort of anger of what happened was wrapped up in, in his death so I mm-hmm. couldn't separate the two long enough to grieve for him mm-hmm. and then I just every time I turned around he wasn't there I, and I just didn't know yeah. what to do and then it, people say like oh it's like it's just a dog just a dog no it, it really isn't and I know and when some people say like talk about things like fur babies other people cringe but but they do that is what they are yeah you know they've become this huge part of your life and and like really like like my whole day was structured around speedy so like what speedy needs to go for his walk speedy needs to get his inhaler speedy needs to do this so then like like what am i supposed to do with my time and then previous to that we had had a cat called roland who was just (laughs) he he was an amazing cat he did like a he's a burmese cross with the most gorgeous blue eyes and the reason I picked him in the cat's protection was because his blue eyes reminded me of my husband. Uh, but it, he had lived a very lovely life mm. uh, with us. And then we had to make the decision to send him over the Rainbow mm. Bridge because uh, his kidneys were failing. Mm. And I remember at the time, like Jared, Jared and I and Grace were with him. We were holding him. They, they gave him the stuff in the ID and he went to sleep. And then he, like, that was it. He was gone. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is the worst thing in the world ever. How can life be so cruel? Turns out it can be a bit crueler, right? Because with Speedy, because he had been attacked, we rushed straight up to the hospital mm-hmm. and I handed him over. It was in the middle of COVID, so I never saw him again. That that was it. They just took him and I and then that was it. We got his ashes back like two weeks later. We never we never got to say goodbye. Yeah. And they did say, like, you, you know, you can come in and see it because he has survived the night the vet to this day still says she has no idea just mm-hmm. sheer force of will yeah. to just live for us and I think mm-hmm. yeah definitely but he, he had a massive cardiac arrest the next day and they tried to resuscitate him mm-hmm. and he couldn't and she said you can come and see him but I really question whether or not that's the right thing to do so I took her advice on that mm-hmm. she knows yeah that. yeah so it, it broke my heart and I never got to see him again. Mm. I, and I was just consumed with an, with an anger. And then 
a hatred towards another human being that yeah. I'd never felt before. Yeah. And even it on, didn't really align with yeah. you as a person. And it, and it felt very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just thought, I can't continue like this, mm. I, which is when I sort of started to think, like, well, maybe I need a bit of help. But, like, there's not... There, there's not much help if you've lost your dog like yeah, you, you yeah. Know, which, which is quite sad really and lost your dog in the way that you did and also with what speedy symbolized to to you as a family yeah. and, and then we'd like i'd sort of gone to the because the local counselors and the police were very involved i i'd asked if there was any way to access support and they said no uh, mm. so we were sort of left to source our own so i ended up going to see a wonderful lady called Les Roberts who practices in St Helens Trent mm. Centre and I saw Les for some hypnotherapy. So I went in and I told Les what happened and she said, right, but like we can do some work here. Yeah. Uh, so so we did. We, and we did a lot of work mm. uh, in a very short space of time. So I had some had some like sort of like counseling sessions with Les and then we had some uh, I did some hypnotherapy mm. and then that started to work. I, and then I, I started that, that sort of, it, so it, what part of what Les did was help me visualise, to go back to a place where I was able to say goodbye to Speedy yeah. in a sort of respectful and yeah. dignified way. way. I, and then once I'd done that, I was able to sort of release it. Yeah. I, and for a long time afterwards, I still felt very angry. Mm. I, I, I don't know, yeah. because I sort of, the, the same as with Malcolm, I accept it, it's my truth. Yeah. And I have to look at the positives. So, so that sort of driving anger that I had initially, it, it allowed me to do some things. So, yeah. so we were able to like come to agreement about settling the bill and about the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a contingent control order put on the dog that attacked Speedy. Mm-hmm. So that dog, to my knowledge, has never hurt another dog since, which was very important to me. Mm-hmm. It made the local councillors aware that there was a bit of an ongoing problem. On yeah. the local park, so yeah. they we got some new benches and we got some new pavements and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there were some positives in the sort of wider sense to come out of it. Mm. But then it, it it sort of made me realise that I'm that I am a resilient person that, that I can. Yeah, sort of, and sometimes I resent my resilience. I think why do I have to be so resilient? Why does stuff happen? So, sure. but that's life. Yeah, you know, stuff is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I I it sort of comforts me now to know that I've got a toolkit of things from, mm-hmm. because I, I, I've been fortunate enough to access a counselling, CBT, that I have a toolbox of things now. So when the next big thing comes, I, and inevitably it will, mm-hmm. I know that I've got the tools there to yeah. do it. Or when something happens to Grace, I've got the tools to be able to say, you yeah. can do this and you yeah. can do that. Yes, and that's, so. been, that's been helpful. And then Jared went to see Les as well, had some hypnotherapy yeah. with her, which was, who, he had a, sort of a lot of like childhood trauma really that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. And, and you, I think you can only run away from these things for so long. So long. Face them. Yeah. yeah, but it's true and it's such a recurring theme that I talk to people about. It's kind of, some people get so far in their life and then something will happen or maybe nothing will happen. But something will rear its ugly head and if there's only so much pushing down you can do because on one of the other episodes it's one of the best analogies I love it where you push negative feelings down so long they go to the basement and they lift weights Mm. and I love that image because it's so true we all know that when we don't deal with something it just becomes bigger and bigger and like you say it it isn't necessarily dealing with something and moving on it's dealing with something and accepting that it becomes part of your life your backpack your trees yeah and because you did you ever watch the X-Files? Not really, oh, but, so, you know, so, of an age, yeah. if you know what that was. So, there's an episode, there was like a two-part episode of the X-Files, yeah. uh, where there was basically, uh, he was like a liver-eating beauties that he'd hibernate for 27 years and he'd come out. He'd Happy. Kill, yeah, he'd kill so many people like the liver. But he, it, the episode was called Squeeze, right. because he, because part of the thing was like, people would be killed in the locked room. How did he get in? Because he could like sort of squeeze through the, these little tiny spaces, and his name was Eugene Toombs. So I named my anxiety <laughs> Eugene Toombs because uh, although you can be it, in a perfectly safe locked room, yeah, it can squeeze in and it can mm-hmm. creep up on you if yeah. you don't do all the things. Like it, so, I, 
when I think of it in that way, yeah. like just start, like checking the doors and checking the air vents mm-hmm. and checking the fireplace, checking all, all the little holes and all the little creaky bits. I, if I do that, it mm-hmm. keeps them out. Yeah. Right? But it, as soon as you stop checking and, and the screws become loose and you get in from the other side, I, so that's, that's how I yeah, visualise yeah. it in my I mind. As a, go and watch that episode yeah. and that'll make sense. Yeah, um, amazing. <laughs> Honestly, people listening and watching this uh, just they'll be in awe of you just like I am and honestly just sharing that with us is so huge and I just thank you so much um and what I'd love to kind of leave everyone with is um your kind of non-negotiable kind of this is these are the things that I could have not done without you know to get me to where I am now so if anybody listening is really feeling you know in, in a place that they feel that they can't crawl out of, what would you say your go-tos they had to have happened for you to be where you are today? So, so my non-negotiables as they stand now, mm-hmm. um, if, if, in terms of people, if people cross the line, if people, because I, I had, it, I, even when, when Speedy had been killed, I had people, I, and so it's unsolicited, and that's what bothers me, people, offer opinions that I didn't ask for yeah. that weren't helpful yeah. uh, so those people are, are sort of by the wayside now mm-hmm. so it, and I'm not saying I, that I have to agree with everybody and everybody has to agree with me all the time yeah. but when you're in a difficult situation like if people are not going to support you they have no place and, and it's very easy to spot people that are worth keeping I, I, and it, instead of wasting time on relationships that are never going to be anything more than a one-way street I, I just like cold a sack it and then I, I invest my time and my emotional energy yeah. into the relationships that are two-way streets that are yeah. give and take and that the people that you know that if you phone them at three in the afternoon or three in the morning they're going to be there yeah. and like your absolute rider dies like nourish them forget about everything else nourish them and so I, I very much whittled down my circle yeah to be the, the people that I know that absolutely have got my back and people who are like like a, a, my friend Alison that I train with at my gym like I've mm-hmm. always said she's like my own personal cheerleader yeah like you need people like that in your mind right so I that, that's a non-negotiable for me just no mm-hmm. shit just uh, yeah. I'm no drama lama no drama <laughs> And then it, I, the other one is movement and mm-hmm. exercise. I, so I had a long history of, of sort of like dieting and up and down body image and mm-hmm. just like not a good relationship with my own body and move, exercising as a form of punishment really, exercising so I could earn food, which is just, it's, a, it's an equation that doesn't add up yeah. no matter what way you try and do it. So I, I sort of ended up... Um, after, after I'd had Grace uh, and after I'd lost Malcolm, after Malcolm had died, I very much felt like the one thing you're supposed to be able to do as a woman is to have a baby uh, and I couldn't do that. So mm. this body has just proven everything that I always thought that it was, that it is useless, that it has no value. And those are not correct things, I know that now. You know that now. But, but yeah. I, really, I really punished myself in yeah. between. And then after I'd had Grace, although her, my pregnancy had been healthy physically, not mentally mm-hmm. by the time I had her and she was perfect and I was like oh, well I made that like you know what I mean like and then because I, I had a c-section with her I'd had two c-sections in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. two very stressful pregnancies in a short amount of time and I thought like my body needs some time here to mm-hmm. heal and then I started um going to it, it's on, I know you've spoken to Ellen Murray yeah I, I started going to glow fit uh, yeah, and that sort of I started to like build my strength and my fitness back mm-hmm. up I, and then because I, I had this sort of well, she, she was maybe like 18 months by the time I started going back to like sort of regular structured exercise yeah before that I'd been doing so much walking with Grace and I, and I loved it like I said we used to put her in the caboose with speeding the stroll and we used to go and do like three or four laps at Taylor Park every yeah. day and I loved it, absolutely loved it, being outside and just moving and like being with the two of them, yeah. you know, it was so lovely. And then I started going to Glow Fit and I, that then became my time away from being yeah. around to, I, and then I discovered a, a joy in movement that I had previously never had. Like mm. I'd always been exercising for this specific function of 
when I step on the scales, it's going to be a lower number. Not because I'm moving my body this yeah. way, because it's fun. <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> and then I ended up going, uh, so it was around the corner at my, uh, from my house at the time, but it's since moved. I ended up going to train with Bobby Goulding, who used to mm -hmm. play rugby. Uh, and then it, it was training with Bobby that gave me faith back in my body because yeah. then I could see like progression I could yes. see that I can do this and I can lift heavier and I can yes. do this quicker and it, I, I it's a very sort of like inclusive space because mm -hmm. it, there's all people of all different ages and all different shapes and sizes mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing it's you're, you're trying you're trying to be yourself you, yeah. you're, try, you're trying to do your best set or your best reps it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what anyone else is doing and I used to find those sorts of spaces to be really intimidating and it's just not there yeah. it's a, we call it our gym home and our gym family because that's exactly what it is but that that is one of my non-negotiables I train four days a week if I don't I, like my head takes a good wobble for it like you know yeah. if I'm sick or anything I have to say I can't train or oh, I, I really really hate it yeah but when I'm there like it doesn't feel like exercise because it's because my friends are there and like we have a laugh and Jared and I train together like two or three days a week mm. uh, so it's nice for us to have that time mm. and then sort of grace comes with us sometimes like, especially on the weekend and to me it's really powerful that she can watch me be strong and have fun and yeah. she can see me like if I sort of hold my own against yeah. her dad and stuff like that you, you know I, I'm really I'm always very grateful to Bobby that he gave us a space where we can do that but that, that's one of my sort of like I plan all of my week around my gym sessions mm. because if I don't do it yeah. I feel crap in my head and in my body yeah. so you know why why would I not do it yeah uh, and then it, it's sort of a knock-on effect then because it, it once I train and I think well I've, I've trained really hard put my body through a lot I need to now nourish it with, with so like yeah. I may want to eat crap but yeah. actually what my body needs now is some decent protein and some yeah. veggies so it makes me eat a little bit better yeah and sort of think about my nourishment and then at the end of the day then it gives me something to write yeah. in my gratitude journal that I, yeah. that I lifted this amount or there's so non-negotiable uh, and then like I have my gratitude journal in, yeah. it, beside my bed and I have another journal downstairs so I do a bit of journaling in the morning yeah. I use that uh, because I know you've got the book there the Mel Robbins format yeah so is it like see hear touch and smell yeah I, I feel in one word yeah. I, I deserve a high five because and then declutter your mind and then five things you want to achieve and what small steps to achieve and so I do that every single morning so yeah. sometimes it's nonsense like sometimes it's just dreadful and that's <laughs> okay but, I mean, but it needs to come out yeah, but i say who am i hurting like, yeah exactly it's nobody's business like yeah so do that i have some little affirmation cards i, I, I get up and I do all this before jared and grace get up because that, yeah. that's my time then to do it and then i feel ready for my day yeah. I, and then like sort of whatever the day holds you know i can cope with it yeah but, but those are my like, journaling and exercise really are yeah. my sort of foundation like my cornerstone habits yeah. that I, I can't and I won't budge on them yeah I just won't yeah and it doesn't matter what else is going on I, yeah. I just yeah everything else can wait until I've done these things yes amazing what a conversation for a bonus episode mm -hmm. honestly I cannot thank you enough for your honesty, openness, your generosity just by you sharing your experiences which you know, have been incredibly painful and you have dealt with them in the most inspirational way and just the way that you, um, well, the way that us as a friendship group have been able to share that with you and share that with you each year has been really special. And like you say, you're privileged to feel part of yeah, it. Yeah, because I know it's is. And it's mental because yeah. you never knew me nope. before. When, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So you've only ever known this version of yeah. who I am yeah. which blew, it blows my mind because yeah. like, obviously like my mum and my sort of long like my, my sort of 20 year friendships yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and, and it, you know there's been like some friendships like and some really really close relationships uh, that out the other side of it like yeah. I, I'm so different that I just I'm not 
like people can't relate with yeah. me. So so I have lost some friendships yeah. and some relationships. But I, and I do get sad about it. Yeah. But I think you know, everything has a season and a reason. So yeah. you know, sometimes you you're sort of flogging a dead horse if you're trying to keep up with a friendship or a relationship yeah. that's just and you do change through the years, I think. You know, we're, we're, no matter what's happened to us in our lives, you're rarely the yeah, same person off, today. Like... Yeah, you grow, and you're, you're rarely the same person today that you were five years ago. So actually, when you find new people along the way that you, like, really connect with, really click with, as you say, become part of your tribe, then that feels right sometimes, you know, to to maybe leave some of that Old, older friendship yeah. in the past like, and, there, okay. and there doesn't have to be any negative feelings about yeah. it you can just start to say this is where them. I am now yeah. 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 and sort of like wish them well and, yeah. and off you go so I've had a few of those because like I say it's like, it was like a rebirth for me yeah. I, I'm, you, you're never going to come out of something like that the same, the same. Yeah. exactly you, can, you can't you just no. can't well, thank you so much. It's been amazing. We're going to have some lunch now, aren't we? Yes, Next day in, we're going to have some lunch. But thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And um, if you need any support at all, we'll pop some stuff in the description for you. Yeah, there is it. Like, there's loads of um, local charities. Anyway. Like, if, if you have any sort of like pregnancy or child loss through Western mm -hmm. Hospital, they, they have links with sort of like Grey Bone Sands. Yeah. And then there's uh, the Ava, Ava Marie Foundation in, in the Willows. Yeah. I, there's a couple of really good locals and then there's yeah. a couple of really good national charities yeah. as well. And we'll we'll put all that in the description so people can access that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. The KD, Nick KD, the original KD as far as I'm concerned. The OG, the OG. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with and thank you for being part of our community. It really is all for you. It's all purpose driven and I really hope that you got something from the episode today. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it with anyone who you feel would benefit from hearing these open and real conversations. Please make sure that you are following and you are subscribed to make sure you never miss an episode, either on your app of choice or on YouTube. And if you can, please rate and review the channel. That would be so, so helpful because it helps other people find us. And finally, just remember that it is all about talking. It is all about sharing. So think, reach out. Who will you have a conversation with? Have a fabulous week. See you next week.